third lesson is from the Gospel according to John. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment. That you love one another. As I have loved you. No one has greater love than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I have commanded you. I do not call you servants any longer. Because a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. Because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commandments, so that you may love one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some of the prettiest things are dying. Actually, if you want to get down to it, all pretty things are dying. But I mean it much more immediately. I mean, the beautiful gifts that are given today will not be pretty next week. To honor our mothers, millions of flowers have been cut from their life source, arranged in a vase, and given with the implied message that you mean so much to me. That I killed these for you. You're welcome. Eighteen years ago, my mother and I were in Salzburg, Austria. We took the Sound of Music tour. Went to all these sites related to the music. And one of the tidbits we picked up while we were there is that Edelweiss, is a song that goes with that, is a gift, a, a treat for the one who receives it, because it takes so much work to get the flower. They only grow at really high altitudes, so the suitor must climb that hill, that very tall hill, to find that flower for his girl. And when he does, she realizes how much he's willing to do for her. He'd pick it and give it, and she'd enjoy it until it died. Thank you. It's sweet. Despite how it sounds, I'm actually not trying to get out of giving flowers this year. Because I know that the recipient 
can treasure the memory of the suitor climbing that hill long after the flower has lost its prettiness. Even bought flowers can be treasured in memories after they've wilted, which I guess is the idea. For all of their beauty, flowers are a temporary gift. We can't give flowers on Mother's Day and expect that to cover all of the Mother's Day henceforth. The rest of our lives, they'll be enjoyed, they'll die, and then we'll have an opportunity to get more. That's the life of flowers. That's our life, when you think about it. A friend of mine was picking on me one day, picking on how much I value efficiency. He said, I bet you told Sally 15 years ago that you loved her and figured that covered it for a while. (laughs) You've done it. It's done. Move on to other things. I pray I'm not that bad. Don't ask her. I do hope, however, that I get credit, more than one credit, for the gift of flowers when Sally or my mother or Anna Gray take those wilted, used-up flowers and throws them away. I I hope that they have uh, thought about them at least a second time. I hope that the flower, which is no longer pretty, but is still beautiful to them because it represents something far more than a check-off on a holiday to-do list. I hope that the giving of the flower represents to them my abiding love, my lasting love, that I am living in the state of love for them. I want it to represent the kind of love that I hope I express more than every 15 years. Jesus, in talking about a life in him, refers to a vine. We can probably assume a great vine. They were prevalent. He could point to those pretty easily. His hearers would be aware that a vine grower works hard to cut off the right branches and prune the others so that it would bear maximum fruit. God the Father, according to Jesus, works that way. It's the Father's job to maximize the vineyard. God will cut and prune as needed. You and I don't have to worry about that. God can handle that. Thank you very much. Our task is to remain connected to our life source, to accept the pruning that comes, and to not become disconnected from the vine so that we can produce fruit. That's our job. We can't produce fruit on our own. Any fruit that comes, comes because it's in the vine's DNA. Without the vine giving It's genetic code to the branches. There will be no fruit, no grapes, or to borrow from the fruit of the Spirit, which gets its code from Jesus. No love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For us to produce fruit like that means we need to remain connected to the vine. We must be connected to Jesus, to abide in Him. Abide. How often do you use that word? I've never once asked someone where they abide, with whom they abide. 
The only time I can think of that word being used, except in the Bible, is when someone might say, I can't abide him anymore. But they don't even say that these days. There are much more colorful ways to give that expression. I looked at other scripture translations to see how they use the word that we translate abide. Sometimes remain is used. Remain in my love, continue. The message translates it, make yourselves at home in my love. The Greek word is meno, abide, remain. It also means to stay in a given place in a given state, in a certain relationship. To continue with expectancy. That led me to think about what it takes to continue with expectancy in any relationship. To remain in one. I mean, that's what Jesus is really after here. That's the point of the metaphor. He wants us to know that we can bloom or we can wither. And it will all depend on whether we're connected to the vine or not. So what will keep us connected to the vine? What keeps us connected in any relationship? I can't tell you how many brides-to-be have sat in my office and looked at their grooms-to-be and said, don't stop calling me or, or sending a note just to say I love you once we're married. And the groom gets a little bit nervous and he, he looks at me because I know he's thinking, I'm thinking he's not been doing that. And so he'll say, I, I did that just recently, I promise. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm thinking silently, I haven't done that in forever. <laughs> I, I did say it 15 years ago. It's very good for my marriage that I counsel with other people as they're preparing to get married. It reminds me of these things I should do, how I should abide in love. I tell couples as a kind of explanation of the vows to have and to hold from this day forward to love and to cherish, I tell them marriages are not made in the occasional getaways. If that's what keeps your marriage alive, it's on life support. Marriages are in the work, made in the working together, in the kitchen taking a walk together, a project you have. It's the everyday that makes marriages grow. And then we talk about the in sickness and in health part, but they can't really look at their fiancé and imagine this person, this perfect person, becoming sick. None of us can imagine what it would be like to abide in love with someone who's diminished in body or, or mind until it happens to us. So the best we can do is look to others and what they do, how they abide in love when their loved one is like that. I've heard of a couple telling their story. NPR has a series called StoryCorps, and they record these short explanations about people's lives. In this one, the husband was dying of cancer. In fact, he died the very day that the story was produced and put on the, air, on the radio. He had his wife read a Valentine's letter that he wrote to her. In the letter, he reflected on the love they'd shared up to that point, a love that he said is now sustaining them through the hard times of his illness. So his wife read that letter, and when she finished reading the letter, he said, I could write on and on about her. 
She lights up the room in the morning when she tells me to put both hands on her shoulders so she can support me. She lights up my life at night when she says, wouldn't you like to have a little ice cream? Or would you please drink some water? Then he said, I I mean, those aren't the most romantic things to say. But they stir my heart. That couple abided in love. They lived in it. Hearing them made me want to get flowers, bunches of flowers, even if they only lived minutes. That couple knew that to abide in love is to offer your body so another's body can be cared for. To live in love is to put another's needs before, they, before yours and to serve them before they even have to ask. To live in love is to have your heart stirred by grace that has been given to you. So Jesus' command to abide in His love, to live in Him, to make our homes in His love, is to accept the offer of His body to care for ours. We'll call that Holy Communion. When we receive the body He gave to care for us. We receive the body and we allow our hearts to be stirred. Not because it's not communion if it's not emotional. No, we'll allow our hearts to be stirred because we recognize the gift of His body and His blood is as tangible a sign of genuine love as we will ever get. It's the Edelweiss of worship. The body of Christ given for you aren't the most romantic words to hear. But they are the most loving. To abide in Jesus' love is to receive the bread and the cup as pure grace. And to be thankful. And then to abide in Him. To make our home in His love. To continue that relationship is to be attached. If your relationship with Jesus is surviving on an annual or biannual spiritual retreat, then it's on life support. That's not to, to take away from the meaningfulness of those retreats. Sometimes that's where the life in Christ begins. Sometimes it's where it is strengthened. But for God's sake, and for yours, don't let that be all there is to it. If washing dishes together or or taking a walk together are what makes for marriage, then taking a walk with Jesus and serving others in His name are what make for life in Him. How did Jesus say it? When you did it for one of these, my brothers or sisters, you did it for me. The branches that are able to produce fruit are pruned so that they can produce more. But they never produce fruit when they've been cut off. Before any of us will produce any fruit, we must abide in the vine. When we do that, the vine girl will make sure that we produce fruit, good fruit. 
fruit that will last.